In this episode of Ask Paul Kirtley, it's the last time I'm going to be answering Ask Paul Kirtley questions in this format. So, savour that intro music, savour that intro sequence, unless you're watching back issues, this will be the last time. Cue the music. Welcome, welcome to episode 80 of Ask Paul Kirtley and I'm back in the northeast of England again and I've stopped on my walk today, I've got my coffee, hot nice fresh coffee that I made back at my parents house earlier on and um, yeah just out for a walk, not super cold, the winds turned more northerly today so it is colder than it has been but ridiculously mild. I was hoping to get some canoeing done over the Christmas, New Year holiday period. I've been out once on the River Tees. Um, the water levels are really low. Um, it's, yeah, unusually mild, yet unusually dry uh, for this time of year. So I've been doing more walking, which is good. Um, I think this is one of the, you know, one of the things about having different outdoor interests. You can always find something to do um, and I think often it's a case of trying to decide what to do rather than not having anything to do. So yeah, it's been nice. I've been out walking. I was, I've been out in the Lake District. I've been out on this side of the Pennines as well, on the eastern side, and um, doing some walks, um, getting some material ready for blogs and things um, into the new year and some of my online courses, getting some material ready for that. So it's all been quite, I've been on holiday, um, but um, it's still been quite productive in that sense. It's been, you know, I'm always going to be outside just because I work outdoors doesn't mean to say I'm not going to be spending time outside. Anyway, so that's all good just to let you know what I've been up to. Um, announcements wise, yeah, a few things to announce. First off, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to all of you who watch and listen to Aspel Kirtley, who watch videos on my blog, who watch videos on my YouTube channel. Happy New Year to all of you. Hope it is going to be a fantastic start to the year for you. Um, wishing you all the best, healthful, peaceful, happy new year to all of you. I appreciate your support, appreciate you subscribing and viewing. I really do. So um, let's all hope for a good start to the year. There's some interesting things going on in the wider world but um you know how much we can actually influence any of those things or how much any of them really impact us that much on a day-to-day -day basis we can get ourselves worked up about things going on in the world but ultimately our daily lives tend to be fairly similar and we can get out and enjoy nature so you know keep focused on what's important that's one of the things i would say um, and as Dr. Stephen Covey says, you know, think about your, um, that, that locus of concern and that locus of influence. Yeah, focus on the things that you can influence to improve your life, things that you can do. Don't worry about the crap that's going on elsewhere that really is beyond your control and beyond, uh, beyond much influence on you in the short term, at least. Anyway, 
That's my little New Year's message. Um, second thing to say, big congratulations, massive congratulations to my friend and colleague, Ray Goodwin. Um, as many of you will no doubt know, Ray and I have worked together for a good number of years. Um, all of the canoe related offerings through my training company, Frontier Bushcraft, um, whether that's our Expedition Canoeing Skills course, whether it's our trips in Scotland, specifically the Spay trip, or our trips in Canada, such as the Missinibe or the Blood Vein or the French River, all of those things, I've always done in collaboration with Ray Goodwin. Um, he was my canoe instructor and, and mentor before we worked together and we've been working together for the entire existence of, of Frontier Bushcraft which has been since the beginning of 2010 and Ray has just received um, an MBE in the New Year's Honours list that was announced a few days ago so Ray Goodwin will be receiving an MBE um, which is absolutely fantastic and that's for his lifelong or career-long service to canoeing really that's um, you know he's contributed so much um, it is in recognition of that contribution so well done fantastic news for Ray really 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 chuffed for Ray for receiving that um, also I should say congratulations to Lou Rudd who has just very recently completed his trek his traverse of Antarctica um, solo unsupported and unaided uh, that means no kites or anything to help uh, pull him and his pulk along entirely manhauled himself his gear and his food across Antarctica um, he was hoping to be the first uh, Colin O'Brady American athlete and beat him to it by a number of days only um, but they are the only two people to, who, who have ever done that, who have got across unsupported, unaided, and it's a fantastic achievement uh, for both of them. Lou has now racked up more miles in Antarctica than pretty much anyone, and um, yeah, just another outstanding effort and achievement, and um, I've been following that trip closely. And those of you who listen to my podcast will no doubt know that Lou was on my podcast recently. Uh, Lou and I sat down um, literally within a couple of weeks uh, before Lou departed for Chile and then Antarctica to record a podcast. Um, and if you're interested to listen to that, that is podcast episode 34, Paul Kirtley podcast episode 34. I will link to that beneath um, the video on YouTube and on my blog and so if you're watching this or listening to this on my blog or you're watching this on YouTube you can get a link straight to that and um, this kind of feeds into some other announcements those of you who watched episode 79 will know that things are going to change here with Ask Paul Kirtley um, I'm not going to repeat that immediately because those of you that are watching every episode already know what that is. If you don't, if this is new to you, if this is news that Paul Kirtley, Ask Paul Kirtley is not going to be uh, continuing in its current format, then stick around to the end where I will explain what's going on just to make sure everyone is aware. Um, but the thing I would recommend that you do anyway is subscribe to the Paul Kirtley podcast, which is going to be my audio podcast going forwards. It has been my audio podcast for uh, three or four years now um, 
and I'm gonna roll the Q&A into that. More on that later on, but there is a, uh, a link that you can go to. Um, just go to paulkirtley.co.uk forward slash podcast subscribe forward slash podcast subscribe and there is a number of links there that will take you through to places where you can subscribe to the Paul Kirtley podcast and you get lots of interesting interviews and other information including people like Lou Rudd who I just mentioned also recently had Anna Lewington ethnobotanist on that was an absolutely fascinating conversation before that I've had Kevin Brownlee curator of archaeology at the Manitoba Museum and that was a fantastic conversation um, before that Will Lord and lots of other people Ray Goodwin as well my colleague who I mentioned um, he has been on a number of times as well uh, to talk about various different things there's lots of good conversations there it's all available free for you to listen to either stream or to download Download. so I would really thoroughly recommend and I'm going to be adding some extra types of episodes to that series going forward there's going to be lots of good stuff that's going to be one of my primary focuses in 2019 in terms of sharing information with you and the wider world so please do get subscribed to that or go to your um, if you don't want to go use that link if that's not convenient just go to your favorite podcast app and your phone if you've got a smartphone there will be a podcast app on your phone these days particularly if you've got an apple phone there is a podcast app that's already there you just need to go into that app search on paul kirtley um, paul kirtley podcast you will find the podcast and then subscribe and then you won't miss an episode um, Android phones you've got a bit more choice in terms of uploading something like Stitcher or Player FM is one that I use that I like particularly and um, but there are a number of others um, that you can use you can get from the Google Play store download the podcast app and then you can just find the podcasts that you want to listen to and there's lots of good podcasts out there these days and you can listen to those on your commute or um, while you're at the gym or out walking the dog or while you're relaxing in the evening doing your ironing doing the washing up whatever that's the great thing about podcasts you can do other things at the same time while listening it's like listening to the radio but it's actually stuff that you're interested in um so in depth and i had a few people complain at the last the last aspor curly i talked about web stuff too much it makes it's hilarious it's just my brain explodes when i get these types of comments um i'm not going to go into a massive rant but you are sat on the internet on your phone on your laptop on your tablet consuming material on the web and i'm talking about how to consume material on the web and you're complaining about it think about what you're saying sometimes <laughs> people it's like you're criticizing something that you're actively involved in but anyway yeah there's uh, some interesting people out there anyway no doubt that will suck in some more hate from somebody but you know maybe have a hard think about your life before you start smashing people on the internet that are offering things for free um, to try and share the benefit of experience um, and also trying to guide people so that they can find things um, that's interesting to them I'm sorry if that's offensive to you or wasting your time um, wasting my time to leave stupid comments about it but hey anyway let's not get too negative okay anyway few announcements there congrats to Ray congrats to Lou 
subscribe to the podcast. Let's get on with the questions. First one via Twitter from Russ. Russ asks, hi Paul, hope you're keeping well. Um, I think you're doing a great job of promoting bushcraft and wilderness living skills. My question is what inspires you most about being out in wild spaces? Thanks, Russell. (sighs) What inspires me most? Um, Connection, connection. I would say if I had to put a word around it, um, connection with reality, um, connection with nature, uh, connection with the essential and ancient parts of what it means to be a human being existing in the world, um, not being buoyed up by uh, the constructs of modern society. I'm not criticizing those, but one of the things I like about being out in wild places, remote places, is that feeling that you have to stand up on your own two feet. You have to look after yourself. You are reliant upon your own wits, your own skill, your own knowledge, your own judgment, um, all those human abilities that we have. Um, you're using them more fully in many ways when you're living outside, you're visiting wild places, you're traveling through wild places, you're using all of those things. And I I like that. And that connects you with your essence of being a human being, if you like, and you're, you're utilizing those skills, physical abilities, mental abilities, the conjoining of those things, your knowledge of the environment, and that connects you with that environment as well and that kind of feeling of peace in some ways that you get from that that you don't have that agitation and distraction that you have in uh, many ways in modern society and so those are the things that i like about being out in wild places places that are full of nature one of the things here you know i'm not in a massive wilderness here i'm in the north of england which is you know it's less populated than many parts of the UK, but the UK is still quite highly populated. Um, but this is a rural area, lots of farms and homesteads and small villages and lots of nice spots, and lots of fields and hedgerows and woods and things. And one of the things that was just ni- nice coming down here, I, I walked down here uh, to set up and um, just over there, as I, was, as I took my backpack off, there was a hare that ran uh, up the bank there and across and then stopped and watched me for a little while and then went off over there. And it's just those nice encounters as well. You don't have to be out in the middle of a massive wilderness, hundreds of kilometers away from the nearest person or the nearest cabin. You can have those experiences in um, places. You just have to get a little bit off the beaten track. Nature's there and you start experiencing it more more in person and I think that's that's one of the nice things so those those th- those are the things that inspire me and my aims really with my work whether that's information that I provide uh, freely on the internet and there's a lot of it on my blog and on my youtube channel and um, podcasts etc etc uh, magazine articles that I write for publications etc 
all of that material is really aimed at just trying to help you have a fuller experience um, outdoors and share some of the benefits of my experience. Um, that's, that's it and that inspires me as well. Um, that inspires that side of my work and that I can go outdoors, um, see things, do things, record some of it, photograph some of it and share that with you, what works, what doesn't work. Um, and, and that's inspirational as well to see other people benefiting from that. And that's one of the benefits of all of this technology that we have. You know, I can just sit down in front of a camera, I can get my uh, stills camera out, I can create a blog post, I can record a podcast, I can put that out to the world with no intermediate person, no filter, no doorkeeper. Um, I don't have to have some sort of contract with a TV company or a book contract or anything. I can share information directly with you and you can consume it directly. And so this is fantastic. And that I find that inspirational as well um, because it's, it's this community of people which is growing that um, want to have this connection with the natural world. Um, and we can use the technology that we have in a way that benefits everyone to learn just in the same you know just in the same way as the printing press and books were transformational in terms of people's enabling their own learning and the ability to go out into the world being more informed um, we've got other ways of doing that now as well which layer on top of that and i think that's fantastic and i think one of the things that, that's incumbent for all of us is to preserve the nature that's around um, not just destroy things uh, and that's another inspiration for me. If I can share the love of nature, people are going to love it too. They're going to want to preserve it more. They're going to value it more. Um, and that's quite inspirational to me as well. So hopefully that answers the question, Russell. Those are the things really on a personal level and a professional level and maybe even an ethical level that inspire me about wild places and to an extent sharing my experiences there. All right, um, carrying a lock knife. The reason I chose this is because I continue to see these questions being asked. Even though the answers are out there, the answers are clear, the answers are, have been discussed before on this, uh, in, in one, form or, one form or another on this uh, Ask Paul Kirtley format, um, and they've also been talked about plenty of places on the internet elsewhere. But I just want to make one thing clear, because I had this, I had somebody being quite adamant with me about something recently, and I've seen it a number of times and so I feel like I need to kind of um, push back against that a little bit in terms of um, thinking. Um, so anyway, the question from, from Russell is, would carrying a lock knife while hiking for use in bushcraft type activities, firelighting, etc., be permissible under UK law, e.g. on Forestry Commission land, uh, wanting something a bit more robust than a Swiss Army knife? Well, there's a number of things rolled into that, Russell. One thing first off is that some Swiss Army knives do have locking blades, so that's something just to consider. Um, in terms of the law, okay, and this is where, so I had somebody on Twitter telling me the other day that um, lock knives are illegal. You cannot own a lock knife. That, that's just bullshit. Um, it, it is not illegal to own a lock knife any more than it's illegal to own a kitchen knife, any more than it's illegal to own a screwdriver. Okay, all of those things are equally non-illegal. 
right? They're all legal to own. Contrast that with a flick knife or what you might call a switchblade or a butterfly knife, for example. They are in the UK, they are illegal because they are intended to be offensive weapons. They're intended to be concealed and uh, presented quickly without warning. And they are really designed to be a weapon and therefore they are illegal to own under any circumstances. Yet yeah, you can't justify owning those things in the eyes of the law in the UK. A lock knife, however, is treated differently. It's a folding blade with a locking mechanism that effectively is treated the same way as a sheath knife, which is also not illegal. However, those things can be, under certain circumstances, considered an offensive weapon. And quite rightly so. If you're in a nightclub or brandishing it in the middle of the local supermarket, yeah, that's inappropriate. Yeah? Um, wearing it on your belt while driving down the highway, the motorway, that is not appropriate. You don't need it and therefore it then is questionable whether or not that's appropriate. And it is actually, the legislation is clear on this, it's there on the internet, you can go and read it. And this is why I find the debate about this stuff somewhat bemusing. It's like, there is no debate. The legislation is very clear about offensive weapons, about the Criminal Justice Act. It is all there on the internet. If you, before you argue with people on the internet about what's legal and what's not, go read the legislation. Yeah, be informed rather than just some pub knowledge that your mate told you and they argue with somebody on Twitter about it. What's the point? Yeah. So the point is, right, so if you've got a folding blade that's non-locking, that is less than three inches long, you have no reason to justify why you're carrying that. Yeah. For example, I have a Swiss Army knife in my pocket now. Yeah. Swiss Army Farmers, I think it is, uh, with the metal scales, really robust, one of my favorite Swiss Army knives. Typically, I have that. Um, just in my in my pocket non-locking blade less than three inches long i don't need to justify to anybody why i've got that with me in the eyes of the law however as soon as that knife's got a locking blade yeah, and the reason for this is should be obvious it's easier to use that as a weapon if you try and stab somebody with a non-locking blade it may well fold on your fingers it's not as effective as a weapon if it has a locking blade then it's not going to close as easily and therefore the law treats it slightly differently which means that you need to have a, a justifiable reason for carrying it and I think camping um, and outdoor activities is a justifiable reason. Um, a rescue knife in your buoyancy aid when you're canoeing or kayaking is a justifiable reason. It's, a, it's, a, it's actually a, you as a leader, excuse me, as a leader um, on, in those circumstances, you would be negligent if you didn't have that essential piece of safety equipment on you. And as a practitioner, as somebody going out and paddling, you would probably be not doing yourself any favours whatsoever not having a rescue knife that's easily accessible. Um, you know, I, I carry one here in my buoyancy aid. Um, it's openable with one hand. Um, it has a serrated blade and I can cut ropes and things with it with one hand if necessary. That's an essential piece of safety equipment. So it's entirely justifiable to have a locking blade in that circumstance. But as I say, if you're in the local pub, um, a local restaurant, uh, nightclub, down the shops, don't really need it. Yeah. I can't think of really any circumstances where I'm going to need to deploy 
that. Um, and that's kind of how the law, and it's down to really if somebody stops and searches you, a law, uh, you know, a, a, a policeman um, and security guards tend to think that they're the police, they're not. Yeah. Um, if the police stop you and, you know, why they would is another question. Yeah. Um, but if the police were to stop you and discover you have a knife on you, um, there's a locking blade, you need to have a justifiable reason for that. But it's still down to their judgment as to whether or not that they're going to kind of pursue that or kind of go, yeah, okay, fair enough. Now, the second part of the question is, you know, you asked about Forestry Commission land. Well, any privately owned land, and I would include Forestry Commission land in that effectively, um, to do certain things, to go onto that land and start chopping things and carving things and lighting fires, which was kind of the underlying um, premise of the question in some ways, you may well need landowners' permission for that. Um, and so even, even though you'd be justified in saying, well, I have this tool for doing this thing, it's like, are you allowed to do that thing on the land where you're doing it? And that's the other part of the question. That really hasn't got much to do with the tool. It's got to do with the activity that you're doing. Um, and it's the same with any private land. You know, it's not just something that's peculiar to the UK. If you go onto somebody's land and you start chopping trees, vegetation, setting fire to things, they might not take kindly to that. And there are laws around those things and you need to, you need to look at the, the, the rules and regulations around that. Um, national parks can be different. Provincial parks can be different. What the rules are around those things. And again, wherever you go, wherever you are in the world, you need to look into what the rules are uh, the bylaws and the and the the laws of the state, the province, of the country. Um, that's that's just what you always have to do. Um, but the question about lock knives, I hope that has answered that question. Yeah, they are not legal to own; they're legal to use. But you need to have a justifiable reason for having it on you, so that the law doesn't think you're just carrying a weapon. Fair enough. Okay, bags for canoe tripping. Question from Mike. Hi Paul, I'm new to canoe tripping and have learned a huge amount from your blogs. So thank you. I just wondered why people use a two bag setup, portage bag and a day bag rather than just one bag as you normally would. Many thanks, Mike. Um, well, I think by normally, I think you probably mean backpacking as opposed to normally canoeing because a lot of people do use two bags um, and this is not a new idea um, you know uh, if you look at Bill Mason's books that concept is there um, some of it's to do with loading gear uh, and trimming your boat so you know you've got you've got your camping gear you've got spare clothes you might have camp uh, boots for wearing in camp um, you know a tarp a tent you know all that sort of thing you don't need that during the day um, you want to make sure it's uh, well waterproofed um, and, put, and stowed away. You might want it tied into your boat um, to provide some buoyancy to your boat and also just so that you don't lose your gear. That might be another thing that is a consideration. So you've got this bag with m most of the stuff you don't need. Um, you don't need to be, you don't want to be going into that bag then um, 
just willy-nilly, you know, I want, I want a drink of water or a drink of coffee, I need to get my flask or my water bottle out, um, I need to put a warmer layer on, I want my waterproof. It's much easier to have those things that you want to hand, small first aid kit, um, head torch maybe even, have those things in a day bag. So you've got your day bag accessible that you can get into, um, snack maybe, drink, waterproof, hat, whatever it is, sunglasses, all that sort of stuff is just there, things that you're likely to need during the day. All the other gear, the, the bulkier stuff, sleeping bag, put away in you know, a number of dry bags so it doesn't get wet, you don't want to be unpacking into that necessarily. Um, all, the, all the camp gear, you will probably want in a separate bag and then you can stow that, you can keep your boat trimmed, you can keep everything waterproofed and secured. Um, you might even, you'll have a wanigan perhaps as well or a kitchen box or um, a kitchen bag. That is also gonna wanna be you know, closed up, left there most of the day. It's not something you need to necessarily get into. So it's, it's, it's about the practicalities of traveling by canoe, keeping the boat trimmed, keeping things accessible that you need to have, uh, but also then just keeping things stowed away that you don't need to have during the day and then might need in camp in the evening. So that, that's why, um, not a new concept. A lot of people do it and it's then not so hard to portage. You've got a portage pack with your, your main gear. You've got a day bag, which you can just double load, chuck it on top of your portage pack, or maybe carry it through when you're carrying the boat through. You might take your portage pack, your, your paddles, other bits and pieces through on the first trip through the portage. You come back for your boat, put your day pack on, put the boat on your shoulders, walk through all your gears through. So again, it helps move things around like that as well. The other thing I would say about you know, portage packs is they tend to be bigger in volume than a rucksack. Even if you're only taking the same amount of gear in terms of camping equipment, sleeping bag, tarp, etc., because you're going to be packing some things into dry bags, which necessarily have some air in them. So they're bulkier, there's more volume, and you tend to have a portage, uh, a pack that is a higher volume than you would have a backpacking rucksack, for example. Um, and then the other thing, is that portage packs tend to be a different shape to backpacks as well. This is kind of getting off topic for, of the question, but just again, just to give you a fuller picture, um, both in terms of them tessellating and fitting nicely into the boat, along with other packs that are designed to fit into the, into the boat, um, and also in terms of how high they sit on your shoulders. So you can, if you want, double load, or you can, if you want, put a put a canoe on your on your on the yoke on your shoulders and carry that through while having the portage pack as well whereas a, a, a backpacking rucksack tends to be narrower and taller but then the height of that backpack is going to uh, hinder your ability to put other things on your shoulders or a boat on your on your shoulders so you tend to use a specific portage pack that's designed for the job that's the right volume that's going to fit into the boat nicely and then having a day pack to go along with that so you can access the things that you need is a really uh, really handy system and that's why a lot of people use it Uh, da, 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 done that one, done that one, done that one. Some plant ID. So I missed this one. I don't know why I missed this one um, back in September. Um, nice couple of photos. Don't normally do tree and plant ID stuff. Um, I certainly don't like doing fungi ID via sort of fur, fuzzy, um, wobbly uh, photos. One photo sent by Twitter. That's not a sensible way to try and get uh, fungi ID'd. Um, but there's a couple of nice clear photographs here of plants and it's easy to see 
what they are. Um, so this was via Twitter, this is from Gene. His question is, hi Paul, love your videos and Ask Paul Kirtley episodes. They are so helpful. Well, I'm, I'm glad, Gene, I'm glad. And I hope you continue to find uh, my materials helpful going forwards. And his question is, just wondering if you recognise these two plants found in the forest on my walk on Mount Royal in Montreal a week ago. Cheers, Gene. Um, well, yeah, so um, I'll, I'll put those photos up. Uh, the first one, um, this one here, you can see green leaves alternately arranged on opposite sides of the, of the stem with a cluster of red berries at the end. That's very... Um, very, very uh, recognizable. Um, and that is, a lot of people think it's a, a Solomon seal. Solomon seals have the berries hanging um, along the stem, underneath the leaves, typically at the nodes. Um, this has got a cluster all at the end. Um, so this is something that is commonly referred to as a false Solomon seal. Um, it's in the Mayanthinum uh, family. And um, you can see uh, the similarity to Solomon seal, but it's not a Solomon seal um, there in that photo with the nice red berries. Um, false spikenard is the other name it's sometimes referred to, and there are a number of other common names um, there. So yeah, that's all, I, all, all to say there really. Um, false Solomon seal, that one. And then if I bring the other photo up, this one here with the black berries, um, you can see that there, quite juicy looking blackberries. Also, you can see, uh, they look a bit like cherries, but they're not cherries. Look at the leaves, um, look at the way that the veins in the leaf uh, kind of curve around. Similar to dogwoods, um, but this is not a dogwood. If you look at the way that the berries are clustered there, um, dogwoods have a sort of umbel-like flower cluster, and so you get sort of these clusters of uh, berries they can be white they can be you know like red osier dogwood for example um, they can be black like the, the common uh, you know cornus uh, sanguinea that you get in a lot in, in UK and Europe um, some of them have got red berries that eventually go uh, through to through to black number of different cornus species and um, that's not what this is this to me looks like a ramnus a ramnus um, which is commonly referred to as a buckthorn. Not to be confused with sea buckthorn. Um, so something in the Ramnaceae here, many of which are purgative, um, <laughs> not something you want to be nibbling on. Um, but that to me is what that is. Which particular species it is, I don't know. I'd have to, um, I'm not sure there's enough information in there. There might be, but I haven't, you know, I haven't dug out my ID guides. There's quite a few similar ones. There are some native um, Ramnaceae in North America and then uh, some of the European species um, like older buckthorn and, and whatnot have been introduced as well. So there's quite a few different ones that look quite similar, but that's what it is, um, a, a buckthorn, a, a, a Ramnus. There, so that's what those are. And um, if you are interested in tree and plant identification, um, at the time of me recording this and through January uh, 2019, my tree and plant identification masterclass, which is an online program, it's a 12 module uh, year long uh, program. It doesn't take you every minute of every day for a year, but it's basically a module every month that is designed to be aligned with the seasons in the Northern Hemisphere. And it gives you a good, um, 
ability to give you lots of interesting ID frameworks that are useful in the field. Um, people ask me about ID apps um, and it, it can be useful to have a field guide with you, although I personally prefer like a, a, a relevant book for the, for the area. But the ultimate, uh, it's going back to what we're saying about connection with nature and standing up on your own two feet and being um, capable in the outdoors and having that connection in wild places. Um, the best ID app to have from a bushcraft and survival perspective is your brain. Yeah, your eyes and your brain and your experience. And that's what that course is designed to give you, um, to develop you and your brain into a really useful a tree implant ID app for uh, aim particular species for bushcraft and survival, as well as covering some of the uh, poisonous uh, species, particularly those that look like um, edible species, um, as well as some that are particularly harmful. And that's all included in that course. And if you're interested in finding out more about that, no, um, no obligation or, or whatnot, um, just go to paulkirtley.co.uk forward slash tree plant ID. So just tree plant ID, all kind of one word, no spaces, no gaps, what have you. I'll link to that below here as well in the show notes. Um, you can then enter your email and I will send out um, a number of presentations. There's three. Um, that will come out to you. Uh, the first one basically talks about um, the fundamental structure of how I have decided which plants to cover and why. Uh, the second one goes into that in more detail with some worked examples to give you a very good understanding of, of what's included in the course. And then the third one talks about the structure of the course, what you need to do, how much it costs, etc. So basically, if you're interested, um, and then lots of people have done this course uh, in, in the past, um, if you're interested, it's open now. It only opens once a year because then once we get going with those modules and there are some live tutorials as well on online uh, webinars every two months, um, there is a get together online where we can uh, do a, a little quiz and a review and things. None of it's particularly onerous. There are no tests or exams or anything to stress about and you can study at your own pace. And then you've got all of this material that's a reference library um, if you if you want to learn more about how that all works, how it's structured, what it costs, go to paulcoatley.co.uk forward slash treeplantid. Um, you'll go through to a, a page where it asks you to put your email address in and your name and then that stuff, I've got that preloaded, that will go out to you and you get all the info. But do it soon. Um, if you're watching this miles down the road and you're still interested in this, so if you're watching this past January 2019 uh, or listening to this past January 2019, still go to that address, but there will be a page that puts your details onto a waiting list for the next time it's open. Um, so if you're interested in that course, basically go to paulcoatley.co.uk forward slash treeplantid and you'll get the info very soon if you're doing it soon or uh, at some later stage if you go onto a wait list. And there's quite a lot of people who've jumped onto the course this year already who were on the wait list previously. Um, so I messaged them just before Christmas and I said, hey, this course is opening again. And I've had a good number of people jump on that course already and they're getting stuck into the first few modules of that course already. So if you'd like to jump on board with those people um, as well, um, then uh, you know where to go. And that's that. That is that. Thanks for some good questions there. It's actually starting to get a bit dingy here. Um, it doesn't look as dark on the camera because the, 
the uh, the ISO boost or whatever it is um, comes up because uh, it's on full auto. It will look more grainy though probably on a big screen now because it is getting quite dingy here. It's getting a bit cooler. Some nice pink on the underside of the clouds over there. I can see through the trees. Um, sunset. Yeah, it's five to four. Uh, 15.55 here uh, recording this. So the sun is below the horizon now. So I will make my way, but the last thing to say is uh, about Asport Kirtley. Um, it, it's kind of sad that this is the last one. Um, I've done this for, I've done 80 episodes now. I've done it for a number of years. Not so many this, this last year uh, over the course of 2018. I think I've only done about 10 over the course of 2018 into, the, into this one. Um, and that's partly because I've been very busy with certain things. Um, partly because a lot of the questions I've been getting have been similar to other questions. Um, all of that information is still there. It's sort of going to stay there on my blog. Whether it stays there on YouTube, we'll see. It depends on how YouTube are treating my channel. We'll see about that. But all the all the videos and podcasts will stay available on my on my blog and all the podcasts will will stay available on the podcast platforms that they're on. Um, SoundCloud, they're on at the moment, and all of the usual podcast apps, iTunes, Stitcher, um, Player FM, etc. And there are a number more, I can't remember them all now. It gets distributed out to a lot of different podcasts and RSS, if you want to be old school and use the RSS uh, feed as well, it's there. So that's also going to stay there and you can watch them over again, you can search them. Uh, you know, the titles really tell you what they're about. The questions are there um, in the title, as it were. So that's all that's all going to stay there. But I'm not going to make any more of these as an Asport Kirtley. Um, I will do the occasional Q&A session in my main podcast. That's an audio only podcast of the Paul Kirtley podcast. So that's the one to subscribe to. I'm going to cut, so effectively I do two podcasts at the moment. I'm going to go to just one podcast, which is the Paul Kirtley podcast. That's the one that's currently got lots of interviews on it. I will be adding some Q and A sessions into that occasionally. So still continue to send the questions. If they're new questions, you can still use the hashtag ask Paul Kirtley and um, because you're asking Paul Kirtley question, but I will be answering those questions in the Paul Kirtley podcast and um, the speak pipe audio question format is clearly very good for that because it gets your voice onto the podcast which will be great um, but twitter and instagram will still work you know if you put a written question in there uh, i can read the question out and i can answer it that's all still going to work absolutely fine but as i say um, I'm just trying to rationalize what i do um, youtube um, just looking at the stats um, this format doesn't get a ton of views on YouTube. I get a lot more listens as a podcast, so it makes sense to continue doing it as a podcast, but I'm gonna roll it in rather than having two podcasts that compete with each other really effectively um, in, the, uh, in the rankings, I'm gonna load it all into one podcast in that sense. So that's one reason. The other reason as well is with YouTube, I can only make so many videos um, and upload a certain amount of information. Um, I'm not sat on a computer all the time, obviously. And what I wanna do more on my YouTube is take advantage of the visual nature of that format and 
put more practical things on there where people can see what I'm doing and how I'm doing it and that will benefit you that way and then you've still got the audio stuff which is easy to consume while you're on the move via an audio podcast and then that frees me up gives me a bit more time because it's the post-production on these things which often takes a long time it gives me more time to do other things which overall should be more helpful so the net benefit i know some of you are disappointed that you can't sit and watch and have this connection with me with the aspel kirtleys but i am going to be still making youtube videos just not aspel kirtley youtube videos um that's that's really the only way there's only one of me there's only so many hours in the day um, and i also need to optimize what i put out so it works on the different on the different platforms um this audio basically an audio uh, an audio f format on YouTube doesn't really work. Just look at the stats, you know, less than 2000 views on many of the episodes and they're not, it's not getting any higher. Um, the listens on the podcast are a lot higher than that. And, you know, the views on my, you know, like my winter firelighting um, video or my PLCE side pocket video or any of those things where I'm sharing practical stuff where it's helpful to see what's going on, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of views. Um, the, the, the answer is there, isn't it? It's like, where do people like to consume things? That's, that's, you've got to go with what people want and that's what people want. So that's what I'm going to do. So that's that. Um, do subscribe to the Paul Kelly podcast. I know I keep saying that. I keep saying that. Not all of you are subscribed to it yet. And if you haven't listened to a podcast before, get on the podcast train. This is not going away. Podcasts are here to stay. We are moving more and more towards audio. More and more people are getting things like Alexa and Google um, things in their home that they can speak to and it speaks back to them. And, you know, we're on the move more and more. You've got phones with the capacity to hold uh, podcasts in there that you can listen to and there's some really good niche information out there that you can listen to so as well as you know trying to promote the paul kirtley podcast because it, it's good um i'm also going to try and promote podcasts generally because they're a great way of getting information into your brain uh, in an efficient way um, there's no way that a lot of people have got the time to sit down and watch a youtube video for two hours Whereas, you know, over the course of a week on your commute to work, driving, walking, on the bus, on the train, um, however you, even on a plane, you know, if you travel a lot for business, you can listen to podcasts while you travel. Um, it's a great, great um, format for getting uh, lots of interesting information and insight. Um, and I'm fully behind it. And uh, I hope you subscribe. Go to paulcoatley.co.uk forward slash podcast, subscribe, and you got different ways of subscribing or go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe search on paul kirtley podcast and sub thank you i know i've repeated myself there a lot but this is the last opportunity in ask paul kirtley for me to say those things thank you to your continued support for ask paul kirtley i know some of you are disappointed that this is ending and it's you know those of you that are most wedded to this that i'm most sorry but i also think if you like this you'll like the other things that I'm going to do. So it's not all bad. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your continued support. If you're watching this on YouTube, there's no reason not to subscribe. Yeah, there's going to be some good stuff coming. So hit that subscribe button and keep an eye out for those videos that are coming uh, with more practical uh, stuff in there. Right, I'm going to head off, finish my walk before it gets dark. And I wish you a great start to 2019. Here's to lots of adventures some great times out in nature and um, 
I hope my materials, articles, podcasts, videos will help you with your outdoor life and you know where I am if you've got questions. Take care. Cheers.